Welcome to the Midas Touch Podcast, where we are more than a podcast. You are joining the Midas Mighty Movement. Welcome. We have an incredible show today. We have Deborah Messing as a guest, actress, political advocate, social justice warrior, host of her own podcast. We're going to hear her takes on the current political situation, what it means to be an advocate with Trump out of office, and what she learned during the presidency of Donald Trump and why she fought back. But first, let me turn this over to my younger brothers, Jordy and Brett. Jordy, how you doing today? How am I doing? How am I doing? Oh, God, here we go. Are you really playing We Are the Champions? This is what's happening right now. For those listening, Jordy right now is singing We Are the Champions. He's lip syncing it and is dancing around. I am doing great, guys. Why, Jordy? Tell, tell you know the people why. I'm why. doing great. Why? Because we're not going to start off this podcast with you guys making fun of my asthma, <laughs> making fun of my nebulizer. No, not this one. This time around, shout out Midas Alley on the greatest poll ever. We are here with the brothers. You got Ben, the oldest, the legal expert, Brett, the two-time Emmy award-winning editor, and based on Midas Alley's poll, me, the youngest, and apparently, guys, the fan favorite. For those wondering, on, on January 22nd, one of our followers, Midas Alley, did a, a date poll, that will live in infamy. A will live in, <laughs> did a poll that said, I know how the Micellas brothers love competition. So let's see how the Midas Mighty weigh in on our Midas Touch brothers. And the final results of the poll were Team Jordy, 57%. Ooh. Ben, 22%. Ooh. And me, Team Brett, eking out a third place. <laughs> 21%. Hey, guys. 21%. All right. So for those who don't know uh, why Jordy is playing We Are the Champions, when we were growing up and we used to have various competitions against each other, we would have knock hockey competitions, Mario Kart competitions, uh, home run derbies in our backyard, which we called Three Brothers Stadium. Whoever would win would blast We Are the Champions. Usually growing up, that was me. I put on We Are the Champions. And my brothers, Brett and Jordy, would cry hysterically (laughs) as the music as the music blasted. And so Jordy is playing We Are the Champions to remind us that we lost in this. It should be noted, too, that Midas Alley, who started this poll, was Team Ben. That's okay. Um, And the poll was supposed to be rigged in your favor to start, which should actually make you feel worse about how things ended up. I, I have to say, this is a rigged poll. This is a rigged election. These results are fraudulent. Everybody saw what Ben did because Ben was straggling in third place for a very long time. And then Ben shot out a quote tweet with comment saying, I need you to find me 11,780 votes. And you guys found the votes for him and put him over me. And that's, see, that's not true, Brett. You, I was crushing it the night before. I went Wake up at like 4 a.m. or some ridiculous time. You do a quote tweet telling people, hey, guys, I really need this. You need to vote for me. 
And then Jordy says, I feel bad for you, Brett, for even having to write that. So I voted for you. But I think Brett pulled away the Ben votes. Jordy got the sympathy votes by saying he was voting for Brett, which caused people <laughs> to vote for Jordy. And that's why I only came in second place. But by the time I tweeted out, I, I feel bad for Brett. I was already just like at 55%. Yeah, it's easy to say I'm going to give my vote over to one of the other brothers when you're already like the prohibitive favorite of Sure, of I was sitting on my vote. I was going to look see at the end of the day, though, it. let me be clear about one thing. I'll handle my defeat with grace. I'm not going to be a cry baby like Jordy was growing up. I'm not going to cry to my mommy and my daddy because I hear we are the champions. I'm just going to move on and you start to talk about really this. Is, and let's just say this is this is the brother who, if you heard some of our previous shows, Ben used to actually turn off the games before he was delivered a loss, <laughs> which is why he didn't frequently lose because of Jordy or I were actually beating him in a competition, he would end the game and run away. So also, that's the PlayStation was defective and that's why. It <laughs> yeah. Off. Yeah. Okay. 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 All right. Moving to politics, Jordy, congrats. Something that shouldn't shock us that as Joe Biden has assumed the presidency and has put forward some policies already that have done more for this country than Donald Trump did in four years. The media now wants to hold Joe Biden to new standards while they let Donald Trump get away with sedition and treasonous behavior for four years. So much so that if you remember that one time when Obama wore a tan suit and there was all of these scandals about him wearing tan suit, it became tan suit gate. Well, we had all of the media jumping on Joe Biden this week for wearing a Rolex and them trying to act like it was inappropriate for someone who's been working for 50 years to wear a Rolex. And then we recently discovered that that Rolex was actually likely the watch that his son who died of cancer was wearing um, and that Joe was wearing it in honor of Bo Biden, um, which makes the story equally despicable. And it's why we posted after that story came on I am just tired of media silly season. We need to start the Midas News Network immediately because I'm just sick and tired of these dumb stories. I'm I'm sick of it. I mean, it's a ridiculous sort of both sides and that they have to kind of get Joe Biden for something and they choose to go after people for these inane things. Like, let's talk about policy. Let's talk about all the things that Joe Biden is actually doing to improve people's lives. And like you said, he's reversed so many just damaging Trump era policies. We're coming out of nearly escaping fascism in America. And the news media has the gall to talk about Rolex watches and stuff. Honestly, I don't even want to talk about it and give it much more air. Even with the Paris Climate Accords, Brett, there was an ABC headline that says one third of Americans do not support re-entry into the Paris Climate Accords. Well, why would you frame the headline like that? The headline is, is that overwhelmingly by two thirds, Americans support going into the Paris Climate Accords. And so it's just one of those things that are completely baffling. And it's just so strange that while the GOP is completely broken, while they're having this death spiral of epic proportions, which should be the focus of all media as it should be the focus of ours and will be the focus of ours, that the old media is doing these, you know, whataboutisms and two-sidisms that elevate sedition to the same level of what type of watch Joe Biden is. But Brett, ben, I guess conflict sells is the thing, right? Because why else would you possibly frame a poll 
in which more than two thirds of Americans support a Joe Biden policy as one third of Americans oppose a policy. That framing is just so damaging to the discourse and the political discourse in America. Well, I think public shaming works in the sense that when everyone saw that headline and reacted the way that we all did, I believe they ended up correcting the tweet. So good on everyone who, who pushed them to do that because it's important. Framing does matter. And they know, you know, let, let me get some likes with this low-hanging fruit headline. And, you know, we keep them honest. That's well, the Republicans for. have mastered this over the years, right? I mean, they have constantly been working the refs for years. That's why they constantly say liberal media, liberal media, liberal media. And they say it so that the media then overcorrects to then help their cause. And so it's about time we start playing the game. And I don't like calling it a game because it's just keeping them honest, but it's about time we start speaking out when we see things like that. And we take the media to account just as we take other politicians to account. And let's talk about what's really going on here in the nation, not these bullshit stories of Rolex watches. Let's talk about the fact that Donald Trump has stated to sources that he wants to start a MAGA and Patriot Party, which is actually just a political action committee that he's starting, which is just another way for him to further grift and try to make money off people as he can't do anything with his businesses anymore. But let's also talk about the fact that why do you even need to start a MAGA or Patriot Party when the GOP at this point has fully embraced not only MAGA, but QAnon philosophies. And we've seen this recently in just some of the most bizarre ways. We've seen it this past week with the Arizona GOP at their annual meeting, censuring Cindy McCain, Governor Ducey, former Senator Jeff Flake for not supporting Donald Trump. We've seen the Hawaii GOP put out statements this past week that were very sympathetic of QAnon. Let me just pause you there for a second. It wasn't that they weren't supporting Donald Trump. It's that they weren't supporting Donald Trump's baseless claims to overthrow the election and try to make Trump a dictator. And the Arizona Republican Party was mad that Cindy McCain, Ducey, and Jeff Flake did not go along with this scheme. Yeah. And you have the Hawaii GOP saying that people who subscribe to Q were motivated by sincere and deep love for America. Well, let's look at the most public face of Q, an actual congresswoman, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And what she's largely motivated is by bullshit conspiracy theories. For example, saying that the Sandy Hook massacre, where 26 people were killed, including 20 children, was a hoax. She's out there saying Sandy Hook was a hoax. And we have the official GOP accounts with blue check marks saying that this philosophy is motivated by a sincere and deep love for patriotism. That is totally beyond the pale. Forget censuring Cindy McCain and Jeff Flake. You need to censure somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Speak out, Republicans. Say that this isn't your party. The only reason why you're not is because this is your party and you know it and you accept it. And your complicity shows that this is who you are. You are the party of conspiracy theories, of QAnon, of Sandy Hook denial. And frankly, it's disgusting. We have the Texas GOP. Their new slogan is, we are the storm, which is literally the QAnon slogan. That's not a dog whistle. That is a full-fledged dog trombone at this point. Um, and 
we see just very odd behavior in the in the GOP leadership, which is now exemplified by people like Rand Paul and people like Senator Josh Howley, both senators. Senator Howley in the New York Post got a front cover article calling the muzzling of America, complaining about cancel culture and comparing facing consequences of his actions to being under the rule of communist China. Making that comparison just shows you the despicable views these people have towards our democracy. Nothing says I'm being silenced like getting a front page New York Post cover with your face on it and then tweeting your article out to the masses. They're just losers, man. He's such a fucking, he's such a loser. It's like the irony is lost on them. It's so pathetic. Holly's like a boxer who just keeps like throwing haymakers, but keeps managing to punch himself in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just a glutton for punishment. Like ever since the insurrection and, and before the insurrection, him spreading the big lie, him going out, him raising his fist, thinking he's such a fucking badass. And then that being the defining moment of his life right now, his fucking being a traitor that everybody gets to look at and just mock. And now he's facing calls for expulsion. This guy's a glutton for punishment. He's a total clown. And ironically, the party of quote unquote personal responsibility no longer wants to, or, or maybe never has ever wanted to be held responsible for their actions. And now it's just so in our faces that it's just a, a ridiculous thing. We want to talk about cancel culture. Okay. The Republicans, the Josh Howleys, the Rand Pauls, the Lefflers, the Purdue's, the Marco Rubio's, you want to cancel democracy. You wanted authoritarianism. You are the number one cancel culture people because our culture is a culture of democratic values, and you're trying to cancel that. So for Americans to push back and say, we're not going to buy products from companies like MyPillow that support authoritarianism and support fascism and support QAnonism. That's not cancel culture. That's people peacefully resisting and protesting fascist strains in America. What cancel culture is, is when the GOP tries to, and this was something personal to me, when Colin Kaepernick got his deal with Nike, the GOP were the first people to start burning their Nike socks because Colin Kaepernick took a knee to peacefully protest systemic racism in the United States of America, and they burned their socks. They are the kings and queens of cancel culture, the GOP, and it's beyond inexplicable for them to make analogies comparing holding fascists accountable to communist China. And you know what? It's so easy just to say words. And I think because there's just such a lack of intellectual curiosity and just name calling, it's just, yeah, communist China, communist China. But when you just take a second and push back, what the hell does that even mean? You mean communist China who Donald Trump's daughter you know, cuddled up to and got all of these patents from? You mean communist China who Donald Trump's stupid sons talked, bragged about doing deals with? That communist China? It's, it's beyond the pale, Brett. And let's just do a comparison here. Colin Kaepernick peacefully protesting on the sidelines before a game during the national anthem. He is a villain to these people. 
then you have people who literally stormed the Capitol or incited a terrorist attack against the United States Capitol. Two police officers are now dead, among others. 81 Capitol police officers were injured, along with 58 DC police officers. And there is not a person at this point who's willing to really speak out and blame this on the president, save for like Mitt Romney and Mitch McConnell. There's various levels of kind of cowardice and, and oddity and, and stupidity. I guess let's go with cowardice first. Let's talk about Senator Rand Paul. I don't know, cowardice and evilness, I'll say, for Senator Rand Paul. My next one I want to talk about is Rubio, who's just a, a freaking coward. Senator Rand Paul was on the weekend shows and he was confronted about election irregularities and was asked whether or not there was voter fraud or whether he can simply say that there was no voter fraud that substantially impacted the election at all. And this is what he said. There were 86 challenges filed by President Trump and his allies in court. All were dismissed. Every state certified the results after investigations and recounts. The de Department of Justice, led by William Barr, said there's no widespread evidence of fraud. Can't you just say the words, this yeah. election was well, not what stolen? What I would suggest is... What I would suggest is that if we want greater confidence in our elections, and 75% of Republicans agree with me, is that we do need to look at inte election integrity. George, where you make a mistake is that people coming from the liberal side like you, you immediately say everything's a lie instead of saying there are two sides to everything. Historically, what would happen is if I said that I thought there was fraud, you would interview someone else who said there wasn't. But now you insert yourself in the middle and say that the absolute well, fact is that everything I'm saying is a lie. So I want you to listen very carefully um, to what happened there. It was George Stephanopoulos who was giving the interview. And George Stephanopoulos says, not I think that you're lying or this person's lying, George Stephanopoulos says the United States Attorney General, Bill Barr, said that there was not fraud in the election, that there were over 87 cases in front of district court judges, including many, many, many Republican judges and judges who Donald Trump appointed, including the United States Supreme Court, who said there was no fraud in the election. And he said, are you willing to agree, not with any liberal position, are you willing to agree with the Attorney General and the judges that there was no fraud. Trump's judges, Trump's attorney general. And then Rand Paul turns it into, this is a liberal thing. We need to hear both sides of everything. No, when one side is false, you don't need to hear both sides of it. And the question and the framing by George Stephanopoulos, I think was perfect. And Senator Rand Paul's reaction just shows you the evilness and cowardness of one, just how he even interrupts Stephanopoulos to not even let the question happen, but then basically turns it into something that the question is not. Because there's no facts to stand on here. And the fact is, we got to get to a point. And we, we were saying this earlier the other day, and I think Mary Trump actually echoed our, our sentiments here, that what we need to do is everybody who comes on one of these morning shows or any of these shows, if they are invited, and I think there are arguments of both directions as to whether these should be getting a voice at all on these shows. But the, if they're invited on these shows, the first question they should be asked is, do you accept the results of the election? Do you believe that it was a free and fair election? If they continue to spread the big lie that the election was rigged, then you should just kick them off the show right then and there, because you know that everything from that point 
will be bullshit. You know that they will not be telling you the truth about anything. That should be a litmus test for all interviewers. And none of these people should be taken seriously if they're still going to spread the big lie that led to the attack on our country. I can agree with you more. That's That has to be the first question going forward in any interview with these guys. Totally. And, and, and then let's look, though, because when they're confronted with the question, we have Representative Madison Cawthorn of North Carolina. This is the individual who claims he was accepted to the Naval Academy. I mean, he literally made that representation and claimed that based on a tragic car accident that he did, in fact, have that that's what prevented him from getting into the Naval Academy. That story is false. Um, he did not get into the Naval Academy. He was rejected before um, he got into a horrible car accident. And so he's been engaging in what's commonly referred to as stolen valor. He's also been engaged in what's commonly known as stupid. And this is what he's... <laughs> is that the scientific what, term for it, Ben? Yeah. And this is what he <laughs> said when confronted by a CNN journalist about uh, election fraud. But, but can you now say that the election was not stolen, that it wasn't a fraudulent election? Yes, I think I would say that the election was not fraudulent. Um, I, you know, I, the, the Constitution allowed for us to be able to push back as much as we could, and I did that to the amount of the constitutional limits that I had at my disposal. So now I would say that Joseph R. Biden is our president. And you have no regrets? No, I do not have any regrets. Okay. Okay. And just, again, look at what the response was and, and, and really break it down. The first question was, was there any fraud? And the answer is no. The next question was, well, then why did you do what you did if there was no fraud? And his response was basically word salad. But he basically said the Constitution allowed us to push back. And so that's what we did. And so basically what he's admitting to was despite knowing that the election was not fraudulent, that he engaged in frivolous behavior purely to be a dick, um, to be a seditionist. That's what, when he's saying push back, that's what he's referring to. And there needs to be general real accountability here. People like Madison Cawthorn helped inspire. Him pushing back was one of the factors that helped inspire that encouraged the traitorous attack on the Capitol building, the terrorist attack on the Capitol building on January 6th. So it should come, it should not be controversial that if indeed you engage in sedition, if you inspire a terrorist attack, if the terrorist attack takes place and indeed people die, including a police officer, that people should be held accountable. In this case, Donald Trump. But what does coward little Marco Rubio have to say? I think the president bears responsibility for some of what would happened. Um, it was most certainly a foreseeable consequence of everything that was going on. And, uh, and I think that's widely understood. It may be even better understood with the perspective of time. I think that's separate from the notion of let's revisit this all and stir it up again. Would you support ending this trial, if you can, on procedural grounds uh, it, that it's unconstitutional to try a, a president who's left office without ever getting to the issue of the guilt or innocence of Donald Trump? Yeah, the first chance I get to vote to end this trial, I'll do it because I think it's really bad for America. If you want to hold people accountable, there's other ways to do it, particularly for president. The trial is stupid. Uh, I think it's counterproductive. We already have a flaming fire in this country, and it's like taking a bunch of gasoline and pouring it on top of the fire. 
So let's talk about that and let's break down what he says. And, and, and what's really stupid is what Marco Rubio says. He says, one of the reasons why not to impeach is that we have a flaming fire in the country. Well, Marco Rubio, you created the flaming fire. Donald Trump created the flaming fire. Just because you create the flaming fire, you're the arsonist, doesn't mean that you now shouldn't be charged for arson because you created the flaming fire. He also says that it was a foreseeable consequence of Donald Trump's actions that what took place took place. Interesting language there because foreseeable consequence actually is a legal standard for holding somebody criminal. So he's conceding that what Donald Trump did was criminal. The foreseeable consequence was the death of the Capitol Police officers and attempted murder of lawmakers, but doesn't think that it should be in the province of senators who have a power to convict, to convict Donald Trump. And apparently it should just be left to other people. But the question is, is who? Who do you leave it to? Sure, you can say leave it to the criminal apparatus. Sure, you can say leave it to civil lawsuits, criminal cases. But at the end of the day, if you're in a position of power, if you have the ability to hold accountable, if not who, if not you, then who? And you as a senator should be holding people accountable who under your watch commit murder and attempted murder, period, end of story. One of the most bizarre things he says there too is he makes a point to say impeachment isn't the right route for this as a president. It's like, that's exactly what impeachment is for. Like, if, what, what else is impeachment for if not to remove elected officials from power and to have them face consequences going forward in the future? Marco Rubio wants to have it both ways. And it's not pouring gasoline on the fire to hold somebody accountable. It's pouring water on the fire. It's extinguishing the fire to hold people accountable. The thing that's continuing to pour gasoline on it is letting people continuously get away from these crimes because what you do is you take that one fire and you allow it to spread to every house in the neighborhood once you let the arsonists, which in this case is you, Marco Rubio, get away with it. And then I quickly want to play, Brett, the clip of Kevin McCarthy, um, the GOP leader in the House of Representatives, who's basically cycled through every um, excuse from first Trump did it to Basically, every America, every American is to blame. It's just so absurd. Yeah. So this clip, it starts off. Uh, the first clip is from January 13th and then goes to one of his statements on January 21st. And then the final statement is the most recent one on January 20. Three different statements that Three he's different made. Statements. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. I don't believe he provoked if you listen to what he said at the rally. Everybody across this country has some responsibility. Think about four years ago after the President Trump was sworn in. What happened the very next day? The title was resist with people walking in the streets. Everybody across this country bears responsibility. Ben, Jordy, do you guys bear responsibility for the terrorist attack on the Capitol? What do you think changed in those in those days, knowing that there were different statements? Was it did he get his talking points from Fox News and he decided, OK, this is what I'm going to lean into now? I think they get their talking points, they get their polling and they try to figure out what's going to keep their base. And right now, the base they're appealing to are the domestic terrorists who attack the Capitol. So they find out that people are are upset with them, that they're going against them and they pull back. And this is one of the dangers that I think a lot of people are 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 scared about in, you know, having this 
trial not be so immediate, having another extra couple of weeks to go by, because you're going to get more of these people who start to peel away and start to whitewash history in this way. And Kevin McCarthy reportedly, he's saying, you know, we've been eating shit for breakfast, lunch and dinner right now. Well, Kevin, if you are sick of eating shit, stop ordering shit off the menu. <laughs> be a, I mean, be a leader, be a leader, encourage people to do the right thing, tell the truth, and don't let QAnonism and Trumpism and the perversion of truth, you don't follow all of that. I mean, hold people accountable and run your party appropriately and professionally. And I really want to have a you know, conversation about accountability, um, accountability from what happened in the past and accountability moving forward. I think that there is no one better to have that conversation with than a social justice advocate, actress. We have Deborah Messing, who will be joining us after the break. She's someone who has transcended um, you know, her role as an actress to become an incredible advocate. Her social media platform that she's built and the advocacy online has been incredible. She's done incredible service for this country. I'm excited to talk to her. We get back after this break. No, that's not that's not Welcome back to the Midas Touch no, podcast. Wow. It is so amazing. We are joined by the Deborah Messing, actress, social justice advocate, host of the incredible Dissenters podcast, which I love and listen to. Um, definitely check that out after you listen to the Midas Touch podcast for sure. Um, Deborah, thank you so much for joining the Midas Touch podcast today. And just thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all of the advocacy that you've done during these crucial months. And even when Midas Touch first started and we didn't have that many followers and before we became the Midas Touch today. I mean, you were out there looking at the videos, retweeting them. And so we're very, very grateful for, for you, Deborah, and the country's grateful for you. Well, thank you so much. I mean, as you know, this, is, this has been a monumental effort from thousands, hundreds of thousands of millions of people working together. And, um, and uh, your videos uh, were undeniable. They were so powerful, and um, I just was always excited for the next one to come out that I could share. So thank you for using your artistry in such a powerful way. Thank you, Deborah. What got you involved in the advocacy that, that, that you've been involved in? For us, we kind of consider ourselves accidental activists. We had no background in politics, really, before uh, everything happened with the coronavirus and we were quarantined at home and we saw these press conferences Trump was giving. And so how did you get involved? Well, um, I, I, I've, I'm an actress. That's what I do. Um, but uh, I grew up with a brother who was very interested in politics and he ran for state representative when he was 19. And so uh, at 15, I knocked on all the doors with him in Rhode Island. So that's where it began. And um, starting in, I think, 2000, I started working all of the presidential campaigns, um, <clears throat> but nothing like what was inspired five years ago. Um, I had worked on the Hillary Clinton campaign and obviously was um, just devastated when she lost and then very quickly when I saw all the 
abuses and the stripping of rights, um, I, I knew that I just, I had to do something and to speak up for, for, for what was right and what is uh, American, really. And so I think that's where it began. And, and honestly, it got so much worse than I ever imagined it could. I mean, I, I mean, even just up until Inauguration Day, just looking at the last month, um, you know, I, I honestly think that half of our country is traumatized. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just grateful that, you know, we found our people, that we, we used our collective voices to, to try and break through the disinformation and to try and um, really fight for America. Do you think there is, you mentioned traumatized, do, do you think that there is a, you know, almost physical and psychic trauma derived from the Trump presidency that we may not even fully appreciate the long ramifications of, but that we as a nation are suffering from and, and need to kind of get out of? I have no doubt that it is a very real physical, emotional, mental trauma um, that I'm sure years from now will be the focus of college courses. You know, I, I think that what we have gone through, um, including the coronavirus um, and, you know, the loss of life and everything that has come out of the last four years, um, it, it's, it's an existential crisis. And the loss and the the suffering that um, so many different pockets of Americans have have survived. Um, I just there's no question that 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 lives in your body. And um, look, I I talk to my therapist about it. I'm like, you know, I am not the same person I was four years ago, and I need to understand what what happened in me, and and how I can. Um, sort of process it all so that, you know, we can move forward and be effective and efficient um, uh, activists. What do you think we do with, you know, I've seen on the news um, and in social media, people who, some people who were previously Trump supporters, even some QAnon um, who are now saying we were lied to, you know, we feel like we were taken advantage of. What do we, what do we do? Is there a way that you think that you give some of them kind of a, a, a soft landing? Um, you know, do we, how do we balance accountability with recognizing that we do need to, I think, bring some people into the fold? Well, um, my, my first response is you welcome people back. I do think that there's a large percentage of people who, who were tricked um, and who were, for, for lack of a better word, brainwashed and um, out of deep need uh, saw something that they thought was going to be the great white hope. And I think that, you know, Joe Biden talks about unity. There is no possibility for unity without accountability first. So I, I think we need to see accountability um, 
on a national level. We need to see the insurrectionists, um, you know, expelled from Congress and from the Senate. We need to see people um, arrested and convicted and put, put away to prison. There, there has to be very clear show that this thing was, was an anomaly and it was a shot to the heart of our democracy and we have to take it seriously and we have to make sure it never happens again. And the only way to do that is to have a very public reckoning. And I think once that happens, I think Americans will start to exhale a little bit and feel like, okay, there are boundaries. There are rules in place and rules matter. And now we're going to move forward with, with that in mind. I do think a lot, you know, the QAnon people, I think a lot of them were tricked. And I think a lot of them were traumatized. And I want unity. I want equality. I want decency. And if any former Trump supporters come and say, you know what, I voted for him. I supported him over the years. I realized that he was not what I, I thought he was. And now I see that, I, that that was wrong. And now I want to put my focus on bringing people together versus ripping them apart. And I think if there's acknowledgement of, of the commitment and acknowledgement of the change of heart, then I think you welcome people back. I think one of the challenges to public reckoning, though, is the GOP party itself seems to have been so captured by QAnon ideology. We see the Arizona GOP censuring Cindy McCain. We see the Hawaii GOP saying very positive things about QAnon. And we see people like Marco Rubio saying, while what Trump did may have been wrong, let history judge that. Let's not have any impeachment trials. I think that politicizes it, is basically what Rubio said this weekend. With the GOP kind of mutating itself yeah. into kind of a further arm of, of QAnon, how do we combat that the party itself is captured? I think it's very scary. But I, I think the, the first thing that, that we all have to remember is that what those Republicans did trying to throw away millions of votes and change the result of the election, that is against the law and it is against our constitution. And if we start from that place and we respond accordingly, then people will see that there are repercussions. You can't be a member of Congress or be a senator and you know make a swear on a Bible or a Quran or a, whatever your faith is and say that you are going to uphold and protect the constitution and then do the absolute opposite and try to destroy it. These Republicans who are saying, oh, you know, just let it go, let's move on. Um, that's self-serving because th then they don't have to be held accountable. I also feel like it's kind of like you see a house on fire and it's burned two members of a big family. And afterwards, the rest of the family says to the burn victims, you know what, the fire is out. 
uh, let's just let, don't worry about the arsonist. Let him go. Let's not arrest him. Let's not put him in jail. You know, we're alive. And so that's good, right? Isn't that good enough? It's the same thing. It's like, no, that's not enough. There has to be justice. There was an assassination attempt. You know, I mean, the fact that that Pence, that they brought a noose for Pence, it is so terrifying. And the fact that he stood by the man who incited it is really something that just tells me that the Republican Party is more about power than about principle. Did it surprise you that Trump didn't pardon himself and his children? Did you expect that that was going to happen? I did expect it. I also understood why that was a very ill-advised thing to do, but I, I had assumed that Trump would be so scared that he would do it anyway. So uh, yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that he didn't. And, and one of the ill-advised aspects of it, right? And as as a lawyer, I always rub that in with with Brett and Jordy that he could <laughs> that he could face significant civil liability in many ways. The pardon is an admission, and for someone who is has that narcissistic personality disorder and is a sociopath, pardoning yourself is an admission of wrongdoing. That yep. you know, and and as a narcissist and sociopath, he's someone who probably believes in his mind that he can again rally a mob in the event that he's criminally prosecuted and charged and try to stave off criminal prosecutions, you know, through that. Do you think he's going to start? He, there's been rumors, you know, that he may be starting a Patriot Party or a, or a MAGA party. Do you think that's going to happen? Well, it doesn't surprise me. And, you know, from, from what I understand, it's not an easy thing to do. And you can't do it very, you know, easily and quickly. But I do think that he is uh, a vengeful person. And I think he knows that if he starts this far right party, that it will destroy the Republican Party. And I think that it would be a way for him to assert his power. And so um, it, it definitely, it does not surprise me that, that he is talking about that as well as a, uh, a media company that's even right. more far right than Fox. After everything you saw with Trump over these past four years, and especially in the past few weeks, what is your dream scenario? What does accountability look like Donald Trump to you? Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, I want him in prison. Yeah. I want him. I want him in prison. I want him um, barred from ever holding a position of power ever again. Um, I want all of his children uh, in prison. I want Bill Barr in prison. I want, you know, every, every person who abused their power I, I want to see repercussions. Um, it's, it's just how I'm built. I'm, I'm, you know, it's like you do something wrong, there needs to be a punishment. You know, so for me, it's really, it's all about seeing him going to prison and, yeah. and being there for the rest of his life. And something in, in us speaking with experts on, on culty programming and, and things like that, a lot of experts have actually told us that that image might be the most important thing that people who have bought into everything Trump has said and done might be the most important thing that they have to see this guy destroyed in that way in order for them to realize that there are consequences 
to what they're doing. How does it make you feel when you see, I'm not sure if you've been following the protests in Russia at all um, right now, but I mean, in Russia, we're sort of seeing the opposite of what we just saw in America. We're seeing people taking to the streets to fight for democracy, to fight for human rights, to fight for the release of a political prisoner. Um, I mean, how does it make you feel just seeing these images in Russia and then seeing the images of America of essentially protesters fighting in favor of fascism in America? Those images in Russia are so are so uh, powerful. And when I look at them, I see that unless we are vigilant and intentional, that could be us in 10 years. If we do not stand by the constitution and protect our duty, that's where we're going. And that's also why I want to see, um, I want to see him held accountable because, you know, it was funny, like the first, the first impeachment um, Senator Collins afterwards said, you know, that she, that she believed that he learned his lesson. And it's clear he didn't. And so he did something worse. Yep. And so that's what happens with people who are, are sociopaths, narcissistic, malignant narcissists. They, they believe they're right. And, and it will happen again. And it will happen with a smarter president. And that yeah. will be far more destructive. And um, I just hope people are watching those images on television from Russia and, and, and really looking and seeing, you know, what is happening there. They are fighting for what we have, you know, and then there are people inside the house who are trying to burn it down. And here's the thing, Brett, you know, uh, Putin appointed himself president through 2038. Um, which is what Trump wanted to do, you know, basically. Um, you have Alexei Navalny, who's, you know, in prison for BS charges that every democratic institution said was totally outrageous and fabricated by Putin. Um, there have been three assassination attempts on his life, and he got, you know, he went back to Russia. And so all of these things we've heard from Trump are not merely rhetoric. These are the foundations to what now exists in Russia when Trump is saying, lock up Hillary Clinton, lock up political opponents. What Trump wanted was exactly what is happening in Russia. Guys, let's not forget what happened in Portland so recently over the summer. I mean, there was a time period when in America, we had unmarked federal officers whisking people away throwing them into vehicles. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's easy to forget about this because so much has happened since then. But these images are very similar, actually, to what we're currently seeing in Russia, where they're whisking away children, Mulvaney's family members. I mean, that was happening right here in America. It was. And as you said, because there were so many just atrocities happening on a daily basis here, it's very easy to just forget about them. And it's like, who ordered that? Who who said that was okay? You know that per- we need a hearing to talk about that person. Yeah, there's need- so there's so much to investigate. And one of the, and listening to your podcast, the dissenters, one of one of my favorite quotes that Hillary Clinton said on your show was, "We have to keep standing up for dissidents. We have to keep protecting the right to dissent because it is such a fundamental human right." 
What do you think now the Biden administration needs to do? And we started to see them siding with the pro-democracy factions in Russia, but how could the Biden administration now counter the last four years of this kind of anti-democratic leadership? Well, um, I'm very happy to see just how quickly he is um, reversing policies that were put in place by the the former president. you know, he came out and disavowed that, uh, you know, that behavior. And I have no question that uh, he will do whatever it takes in order to stand by uh, his, our allies, um, that we are hopefully being welcomed uh, back into the, the four with again, um, whether or not it's um, sanctions or, uh, I mean, I, I honestly think that that Biden has such a long history that he knows what will hurt Putin. Right. And and I don't think that he has any fear about taking the, you know, important steps. I think people would be very foolish to to equate his his soft heart and emotionality with um, not having a a very strong backbone and a a fighter's, you know, soul. Deborah, you can tell you can tell why Jordy Micellis, our younger brother, is the fan favorite based on this interview. Jordy's, you know, routinely wins all the polls of who's the best brother. You can tell based on those interview skills thus far why he's number one. So so they're jealous. there was a recent poll that that apparently I'm the favorite brother that came Fake out. Fake polls, still, rigged polls, Deborah. They're still really upset by oh, it. But, no. but they do this to me. They do this to me every episode. They make fun of me. I sit here patiently, <laughs> just let them ask their questions. They're great questions. I don't want to interrupt. And then you know they they always make fun of their youngest brother. But I do have a I do have a good question for you. At least I think it's a good question. Yes, please. A lot of pressure so, now, Jordy. I'm not, I'm just I, saying. A lot so, of- <laughs> so you've been able to use a lot of different outlets uh, to have your voice heard, to, to fight for a democracy, to resist. Trump is gone, but Trumpism still exists and it will continue to exist. No, there have been people who have joined the fight the last four years who may be thinking to themselves, okay, Trump is out of the White House. My job here is done. What would no, you say to those people? Absolutely not. No, we, you know, our, our work is just beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Trumpism is is something that grew over the last four years. And unfortunately, I think it's going to take longer than four years to break it down. And it's only going to be from the the consistent vigilance of, you know, activists who are fighting on behalf of democracy to never stop, to never stop working. There are so many organizations you know, whether or not it's the ACLU or, I mean, there's so many places that you can go and you can help the helpers. You don't have to create your own foundation or organization. Um, there are people out there doing it full time and, and we all have to commit because, you know, there's an election in two years and we have to start now because God forbid, you know, we lose the House and the Senate, you know, Trumpism is going to be back in power. Well, let's move away from politics for one second. Um, I love the interview, but I, I want to ask you something that that I so I think that the Lucille Ball part um, should have gone to you. They're doing a Lucille Ball <laughs> biopic. I had my vote for you. Maybe if Jordy came through as the favorite brother, you know, there could have been more clout behind it. Um, 
But I would love, Deborah, if I could do in my own way a quick read. If you can play Lucy and I'll play Ricky. And oh my could... God. <laughs> I'm so nervous for what's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I have to hear your, your Ricky. I'm so Go nervous. Ready? I don't know. Yeah. Lucy, a breakfast is ready. <laughs> now you got to do Lucy. You can't just leave me stranded. Oh my God, you didn't even have an accent, Ben. I mean, you know, it's a. Come on, Lucy. <laughs> Lucy, a breakfast is ready. <laughs> Ricky. Are you hungry this morning? Oh my God, you are hilarious. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I don't think that you playing uh, Ricky is in your future. Um, Yikes. I'm sad to say, but you know what? Playing Luke, Lucy isn't in my, in my <laughs> you know, it's all It's all good. I'll say it's Ben has good. not been known for his impressions. He's also uh, been doing a Trump impression, which we don't have to rehash awful. in this interview. Uh, the fans it's, it's are brought down. The fans, the fans are very, don't like it. I've, I've read those mixed. ratings. The fans don't like my impressions. I'm aware. Oh of that. no! Deborah Messing, thank you so much for joining the Midas Touch podcast. Actress, social justice advocate. Take a listen to Deborah's podcast host of the Dissenters podcast. After you listen to this, listen to the Dissenters podcast. Deborah Messick, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much. You guys are rock. And when can we listen to new episodes of the Dissenters? Um, we are just putting our, our new list together and we will make the announcement when it's going to um, it's going to premiere. But uh, we are we are deep into it. And i um, excited. Yeah, yeah. We have past some guests, very- Hillary Clinton, Jane Fonda, Congressman Schiff. I mean, the dissenters get some of the best guests around there, and you get to listen to the great, legendary Deborah Messing. Deborah, thank you so much for joining thank the Midas Touch podcast. Lucy! <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. Ben Mycel is here. Join by my younger brothers, Brett, and the fan favorite, apparently, Jordy Micellis. Fan who... favorite, Jordy. Why, why did you laugh when you said it? It's true. It's a true statement. Twitter voted. I, I mean, it's factually. I'm fan favorite. Yeah, Don't make me. Yeah. Should I play the song again? No, no, no. no you're the fan favorite. <laughs> you're the fan favorite. <laughs> okay, let's talk about. <laughs> if, if Jordy's the fan favorite. Let's talk about some other fan favorites. Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> That's such a, um, so fucked up. What? That's a smooth transition. Sure. Rudy, no, Rudy Giuliani is not a fan favorite, but we are a fan favorite of suing Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> Stinky, poopy Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> it was stupid. Uh, <laughs> Rudy Giuliani was, I mean, he literally had shit down his face and he like farts in public all the time. And this sometimes the brothers can be a little immature. Don't hold it against us in the ratings. We'll get serious right now. Uh, I'm very, very sensitive, very sensitive, Ben. Okay. Rudy was just sued by Dominion for $1.3 billion. With a yeah, he might as well be sued by $10 trillion. I mean, Rudy's going to lose this lawsuit. Rudy was the one spreading all of these bullshit lies that Dominion had a deal with Hugo Chavez from Venezuela and created this massive conspiracy to steal votes, all of which was completely false, all of which Rudy Giuliani had the opportunity to go in front of court to present facts in front of and utterly failed. But this lawsuit, Brett, is just hilarious. Do you have some of the highlights of it? 
The funny thing about this lawsuit, Ben, is they used photos and things like that from Rudy's Twitter feed and Rudy's YouTube channel. And I think, Ben, you really pioneered this whole way of putting together a a case. And I don't (laughs) think a lot of people listening know that. But Ben famously in cases like against Fire Festival back in the day, Ben was the lawyer who took on the Fire Festival. Ben was the one who put in the complaint. In the complaint. I'd put the photographs of the different scenes. So on the Fire Festival, I put (laughs) photos. Photographs of like the cheese sandwiches when the fire <laughs> festival said they were going to get gourmet food. There were supposed to be like four star accommodations and they were FEMA tents. So I did the photos of FEMA tents. I really pioneered these types of complaints. I once did a lawsuit, true story, but then we'll get right back to politics against Snapchat, where Snapchat had this partnership page where they were putting these like horrible stories about like all sexual in nature but children could access them. And there was under the Communications Decency Act, there was a provision about having purient conduct or content in front of minors. And so on my Snapchat complaint, you know, I put these these photographs of these stories and they were like the most absurd, like fucking headlines in the world. It was like sex acts by Disney characters. And I won't even get into what they were, but I would actually put the photos of the sex acts and I'll just even get a little more explicit (laughs) and then I'll, and then I'll move on. So in my sexual assault cases and sexual harassment cases, okay. True fucking story here where the men who were sexually harassing the women would send dick pics. I would put photographs of the dick that they sent to the women in the federal complaints. Many a federal, I don't think any other lawyer in the nation. And these get publicly filed, right? Publicly filed, exhibit A, see attached, see the attached dick. No joke. And I would just put it in like in front of very serious judges. And then the other side would flip out. Oh my God, you put a dick. I'm like, you sent the dick to her. <laughs> Don't blame me for filing it publicly when he sexually harassed her. How he the should fuck have thought do you think through, she felt? He should, yeah, how do you think she felt? He should have thought through the steps. And so, yeah, his dick is exhibiting. To bring it full circle, Dominion also put dick pics inside their complaints by putting pictures of Rudy Giuliani inside the complaint. And the way they just contrast the lies that Rudy told with his sort of just scammy requests for people to buy products and things that he's selling is just so hilarious and also embarrassing. Here's an example where they have a photo of Rudy Giuliani with his arms thrown up in the air, looking up to the sky, uh, reminiscent of what he did outside of Four Seasons uh, Total Landscaping, not to be confused with the Four Seasons Hotel. And it says, along with the false accusation that Dominion had stolen the election technologically, Giuliani warned viewers about, quote unquote, cyber thieves stealing home time titles online and threw his arms in the air as if to emphasize the danger of entrusting important matters to technology. He then pitched his viewers on a service they could buy to protect themselves for $596 for the four-year service if they use the promo code Rudy when ordering. (laughs) Going back to dick pics for a second, it wasn't just one complaint where I filed a sexual harassing man's dick pics to my female client. It's been like 10 That's like my modus operandi, which is like, okay, you did it. I'm filing your dick in federal court. Boom, exhibit A. And then I I really would get the comments back like, holy shit, you filed that? And it goes, it's there to look up, look up. Look up the ECF cases. Look up the. Uh, <laughs> I, I won't say I won't say what the cases are because you know. It's, but but if you look at some of the cases I've handled, um, you can see some of the dick pics that. Um, 
that, that, that are exhibits to complain. Here's another Rudy uh, dick pic exhibit. After decrying how an American election has been fixed by a Venezuelan-owned company, Giuliani marketed cigars from a quote-unquote American-owned company offering $20 off orders over $100 if viewers use the code Rudy21ordering. I like how Rudy tied the things together too. Like Hugo Chavez influenced the election and, and the minion machines. You know what? Venezuela has a lot of cigars. By the way, why don't you buy your cigars from me with code rudy 20 at checkout. You know, it's interesting because Rudy's just leaning right into it. Like, I think Rudy knows the writings on the wall and he's just going to go so crazy that eventually he's just going to claim, you know, insanity or just he's not really thinking many steps ahead here. But what I am, I wouldn't say enjoying because these people have fucked up America so badly. Let me just ask but one thing before that, we move on to any other subject. Who's buying supplements from Rudy Giuliani? Who looks at Rudy Giuliani as the pinnacle of health and says, whatever <laughs> he's doing, I got to do. Whatever caused that duty to come out of his head, that's what I need, some of that. I think that Rudy is the perfect spokesperson for achy joints and curing <laughs> achy joints, really. That's what you're going to Rudy Giuliani for. Uh, look, if you believe that Rudy Giuliani can cure achy joints, there's no doubt why you believe that there's a pedophiliac cult run out of a pizza parlor on 8th Street in Washington, D.C. that's run by Hollywood elites that only Donald Trump can combat. So I guess you're preaching to the choir here if you're Rudy Giuliani. I, I mean, talk about a fall. Talk about a fall from grace, man. He went from America's merit to whatever the hell he's booked. I want to talk about another fall from grace because I can't stand talking about Rudy without getting really sick. Dr. Burks. Talk about a real fall from grace, though, because Dr. Burks was a respectable scientist who went up there with Donald Trump and started lying, started basically being Trump's mouthpiece, while Dr. Fauci couldn't push back as much as he wanted, at least he was speaking the truth and wasn't the propaganda arm of all of Trump's bullshit about COVID. But now to watch Dr. Burks kind of squirm and try to rehabilitate her image is kind of sickening and ironic and no one is buying it, Dr. Burks. Brett, play the clip that Dr. Burks said recently when she went on the Sunday shows. I am I'm convinced there were parallel data streams because I- Disinformation. I saw the president presenting graphs that I never made. So I know that someone or someone out there or someone inside was creating a parallel set of data and graphics that were shown to the president. I don't know to this day who, but I know what I sent up and I know that what was in his hands was different from that. As the White House coronavirus response coordinator, if you see that fake data is being shown to the president and then being amplified by the president to the public, it's your duty to speak out. And we called this guy's back in March, I think. We actually wrote an article on MidasTouch.com. One of the first pieces that we wrote at the very beginning of Midas Touch was an article called, Is Dr. Burks Compromised? And it went into all these aspects, the way she was promoting this disinformation, because there were clips even at the time that showed that what she was saying was clearly inaccurate. How would you describe the job President Trump is doing behind the scenes and in front of the cameras during these daily briefings that we're seeing? What's been your perspective, Dr. Burks? 
he's been so attentive to the scientific literature and the details and the data. And I think his, his ability to analyze and integrate data that comes out of his long history in business has really been a real benefit during these discussions about medical issues. That was from March. Yeah, and I, and I don't want to exaggerate at all. I'm, let's say I'm not exaggerating at all. When Dr. Burks made statements like that, she is directly responsible for hundreds and thousands of deaths of Americans. It's absolutely shameful what she did, both as somebody in the administration, somebody who takes the Hippocratic Oath as a doctor, and somebody who has obligations to the general public. Anybody who does a job interview with her, the moment she tries to spin that she was trying to be helpful, just play that clip that Brett just played for you. But it's not just Dr. Burks. Uh, Politico is reporting that many of Trump's aides, a ton of them, are basically finding that, well, I guess by a ton of them, I mean all of them are all screwed at this point. Um, All right. I feel really bad for them not. Um, they've all been tainted by Trump's reputation, they all say, and for them sticking with Trump until the end. And it's not just low and mid-level staffers getting pinched. People are saying that Trump's higher level people, his chief of staff, other people are basically saying no one wants to hire us anymore. Um, and rightfully so. You were a member of one of the most horrible periods. You were a player in one of the most horrible periods of American history. And you are responsible for the deaths of people. So I don't really give a shit that you're having trouble, you know, finding work. That's the, that's the least of my concern. What I do care about is President Biden's agenda, pushing forward actual initiatives that are favored by Americans. Nearly 70% support his handling of COVID-19. The majority of Americans support him rejoining the World Health Organization. The majority of Americans support holding construction of the border wall. Only 37% oppose that initiative. That's kind of a common number we see, about 35 to 37%. 68% support a federal mask mandate. Uh, just some, inc- you know, important policies. He's reversed the transgender military ban. Those who are part of the trans community who have bravely fought for our country can continue to bravely fight for our country. And by the way, vaccine distributions are increasing significantly, although I don't think that even this administration has fully appreciated that there was literally no plan whatsoever. If we have the clip, Brett, of the new press secretary, Jen Psaki, Biden's press secretary, talking about the mess Trump left him on vaccination plans. Is there at least a ballpark amount that officials are aware of of how much vaccine there is? Well, our team is working right now. We've been here for five days uh, to evaluate the supply so that we can release the maximum amount while also ensuring that everyone can get the second dose on the FDA recommended schedule. So the confusion around this issue, which we acknowledge there is some confusion, is uh, speaks to a larger problem, which is what we're inheriting from the prior administration, which is much worse than we could have imagined. Uh, So we are assessing now um, what we have access to and uh, ensuring that we have uh, more of a rapid engagement with states so that they have more of a heads up on what to expect in the weeks ahead. Well, here's what happened. It turned out when Kaylee McEnany said, here's our plan, and handed over to journalists her giant empty binder. That was actually their plan. 
a bunch of blank pieces of paper. They didn't actually have a plan on anything. They went, they would just all talk. Trump would just get out there, speak bullshit. Kaylee would spin lies. And they actually had no way of actually distributing vaccines to the public. And so now the Biden administration's coming in. It's a total disaster. And they're doing everything that they can to clean up. And they're doing that, you know, it as quickly as they can. But this is a tall task. The Trump administration really just kneecap them in, in every which way, even from not, you know, allowing them to move ahead with cabinet appointments and such. You got to understand how far behind the Biden administration is now starting from because of everything Trump and the Republican fascist party has done to hold them back. Before we close out the show, I think it's only appropriate that we hear from Jordy's fans, um, the Midas, <laughs> the, the, the Midas Mighty. Don't come um, after Team Jordy. Yeah, let's hear from a few people, Brett, before we wrap this. Um, I, it's one of my favorite episodes, probably my favorite episode so far, other than the fact of the, the Jordy part. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <very laughs> controversial. it really hurts you guys. So, I love it. Let's hear what Susan has to say. America has needed the Midas touch for so long. And thankfully, you guys came along at the right time. Some of the videos you guys have created, in fact, probably all of them are so amazing. Susan, thank, th thank, thank you, thank so you much. very much. Oh my gosh. Oh, Jordy, you want to, you want to address that Jordy? Thank you. I, that wasn't a question, but thank you. That was so sweet. <laughs> no, that was, that was really nice. Thank you so much for, uh, for the kind words, Susan. And the part that I think got cut off at the end is when she said, and Brett is my favorite Midas brother. Mm. That just, I don't, I don't think, think so. it came, I don't think it came through uh, in the podcast feed, but look, we could do was... another poll, but I don't think your <laughs> egos could take it. Let's, so, your, let's uh, listen to the next comment. Let's listen to the next question from one of Jordy's Lori. fans. <laughs> hey guys, just listened to the podcast. Uh, loved it. It was, it, it was one of the best ever for sure. Uh, regarding um, green of Georgia 14, absolutely positively no discussion sewer absolutely that woman needs to be buried one way or another so yes absolutely um sewer okay i made my point anyway uh love all of you guys love your work and um will uh continue listening and supporting thanks so I think, Brett, I could tie this episode up with a really neat bow here. Yeah. What if in the lawsuit of Marjorie <laughs> Taylor Greene, yeah. I make the exhibit, the dick pic of Lauren Bobbert's husband who exposed himself to the 16-year-old girls at Boom! the bowling alley. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> so for those uh, who may have heard uh, last week's show, uh, Lori was referring to we uh, put it out to the listeners um, if we should sue Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, if we should sue her because she blocked us on Twitter, which has been proven time and time again to be an unconstitutional action from an elected official. And Lori says, go for it. Sue her. Sue and ben her says, I know what my exhibit A is going to be, because if you're a Midas Touch podcaster, <laughs> you know that Lauren Bobbert's husband was arrested for exposing his penis to 16-year-old girls at a bowling alley. And I'm going to somehow make that as an exhibit 
to the uh, lawsuit against Marjorie Taylor Greene. All right, so it's decided. We're going to sue Marjorie Taylor Greene. We're doing we're it. We're going to move yeah? forward. We're with doing this. it. Let's, let's, we're and, doing and, it. And by the way, brothers, mean, hands, hands in. in. One, hands two, in. Three. Three. Midas. Midas. So we're going to sue her. That's how decisions are made. This is how decisions are made at Midas Touch. Don't you dare come after the Midas mighty Marjorie Taylor Greene without having to suffer the consequences for your action. Yes, the cancel culture of the Midas Mighty is coming for you. Thank you for listening to the Midas Touch podcast. We accept the fact that Jordy is your favorite Midas brother. You can listen to us every week, Tuesdays and Fridays, everywhere that podcasts can be downloaded. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Midas Touch podcast. Thank you, Deborah Messing, for being an incredible guest. We're back on Friday with more incredible guests. We'll see you soon. Shout out to the Midas Mighty. Suck up. 